0: This podcast series has been brought to you by Tesco in partnership with the Camogie Association. Tesco, every little helps.
1: On our last show of the series, and I can't believe I'm saying that already, the weeks have flown in, we are talking about supporting the coach. Honoured to be joined by Des Ryan, Director of Coaching and Performance with Satanta College, Des highlights the challenges that coaches face, including coach burnout and strategies to avoid it, And he speaks of the value of building strong relationships with parents, players, and fellow coaches in order to continue learning and developing as a coach. As usual, you can subscribe to the Coaching Bubble podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud, and you can keep up to date with all things Coaching Bubble podcast on social media at Bubble Coaching. Really enjoyed this one. I hope you do too. Des, thanks a million for coming on the Tesco U Player Welfare podcast. It's fantastic to have you. Um, So I'm going to dive straight in, if that's okay. Um... We've talked an awful lot about player welfare, uh, and it's you hear about an awful lot, but today I want to start off with you by talking about coach welfare. So uh, first of all, people are going to be like, what is that? What do you mean coach welfare? What are you talking about? So perhaps you might touch on that first.
0: Yeah, thanks thanks for inviting me, uh, and I, I like the topic that was chosen. It's an important area. I like the whole area of, of coach development. And there is challenges with coaching. We all love it. We all enjoy doing it. We all look forward to the weekend, the training nights. But every single coach would have came across various challenges. And I even know many coaches that that gave up. I know coaches in the professional environment that got burnt out. And it's up to people who maybe are in senior positions in clubs, senior positions in counties, to help these people as much as the players and to develop these people as much as we develop players. So if I'm to focus in on something, I looked at the research in terms of burnout in the workplace and they rang a bell with me in terms of burnout in the sporting environment and coaching. So, so some of the conclusions were unfair treatment at work led to burnout, unmanageable workload led to burnout, lack of role clarity lack of communications and support from manager and unreasonable pressure. Now, on top of that, I think in the coaching world, uh, the people are are managers themselves and they have to manage the the young people, the the child, the youth, the adult group as well. And all wrapped in that is keeping everyone happy. So if you're there as a coach and you have an unmanageable workload, there isn't clarity, there isn't support, uh, you're, you're going to get burned out. And there's going to be tension, there's going to be rows, no one likes that, there's going to be fallout. Um, so there's there's some of the challenges that coaches face. And it's up to coach developers, experienced people, senior people in the club to offer solutions to those challenges. And and, and make coaching the brilliant experience that it is and maximizing that enjoyment, maximizing that fulfillment. And at the end of the day, hey, we're, we're coaching the sport, we're developing young people. Every single minute should be enjoyable.
1: Okay, so you've brought up loads of things that I'd like to touch on there, it is. But um I suppose you related that that coach is out to workplace burnout or to uh, an employee potentially burning out, right? So people still might be thinking, going, well, how the hell could a coach get burnt out, right? So could you could you give me maybe um like how does that manifest itself or how do we see that? Like how does how do, how do you know a coach is burnt out, or how does a coach know he's on the verge of burning out?
0: Yeah, and and I know myself from the professional coaching environment that me and the team of people I worked with, we we kept a close hour um, watch on our hours. So I know, yeah, we're probably going to do a bit more than the normal hours, maybe forty-five hours a week. I know if I went up and I did fifty-five, I start. Um, to make wrong decisions. I start to be a bit irritable. I definitely know if I went up towards 60, um, no, I was heading towards burnout. I was making bad decisions. I might've got into arguments and that needed to be managed. So um, a group of people in a club working together, sharing the workload. And then if there's a coach on, on their own and they haven't got a critical friend, they haven't got a mentor, they haven't got an experienced person to chat to, to run ideas by, to get advice from. Um, they may be shooting in the dark and it may lead to, to poor decisions and that may annoy the players. The players are very passionate, very competitive and a, a person of whatever experience has to deal with all that. And invariably you got early career coaches, mid-career coaches, and they mightn't have the skills to handle that and they need people to support them. But if they're on their own, if they have a high workload, these issues, challenges uh, can appear and, and burnout can happen. Um, if it's not a team effort, people aren't working as a multidisciplinary team. Now, multidisciplinary team may sound like high performance and you've got your nutritionist, your psych, your physio, your medic, your doctor, your your skill acquisition person. But no, an MDT in the club is the chairman, uh, the groundsman, the person that opens the facilities, the friend that may be coaching with you, uh, the parents linked to the team and communicating with them, sharing the information with them and working with them uh, is important. But if it's not there, if you're working on your own workload too high, it, it can be certainly can be challenging. And And that advice from mentors to listen to players, to review what you've done, to reflect on what you've done and to continually improve. Is, is so important. Whereas if it's not reviewed, players are frustrated, tension builds, you're not communicating with the players, rows happen, division happens, and what should be a really nice experience can turn into a lot of tension and, and people issues. Um, so there is solutions. I don't want to sound too negative. Of course not, definitely not. Um, there's definitely solutions. And if I may share a few, um, people working together is important. And if I compare where I, I did work recently, Arsenal Academy, we had a very clear vision and mission. We had very clear objectives. And everyone from the psych to the groundsman to the chef to the conditioner to the academy manager knew what we were doing. And that led to clarity. And one of the contributors to burnout is lack of clarity. So having clarity is important. Now, yes, that's a very big organization. And the mission, for example, was to make, make the most caring and challenging football academy in the world. But we all knew we were trying to do that. But if I, if I translate that across, say, to a camogie club, um, people just need to get into a room, decide what the mission is that they're going to try and do, uh, decide what the objectives are, And then everything that's decided, everything that's that's the work that is done is all trying to achieve those objectives to achieve that mission. And it may be just two, three, four pieces of paper typed out with everyone agreeing to it, and then there's clarity. And that can grow on to strategies, that can grow on to tactics, that can grow on to key performance indicators, but we're heading towards more of a a full-time professional environment. But having a clear mission in the club and objectives and instead of people going off on a tangent, working on a separate objective, everyone, no, we're trying to achieve that mission and let's stick to these objectives here. And we've all agreed to it and there's clarity. And then a club could have their their standards or some people say values. And where I, I was working, it was discipline, humility, respect. So then everyone from players to coaches to, to support team, the ground staff, knew these were the standards and people should have humility. There should be discipline, there should be respect. And everyone reminded each other of those um, standards. And again, a club could get together, create those standards. And if there was poor behaviour or poor decisions, we could remind each other of, well, that's not quite the standards that we've set in this club. So it helped to to manage um, poor behaviour as well. And, And listening to players... So if there's a, um, a coach who's maybe struggling with a group, there can be big personalities, they can be challenging to manage, and it's an early career coach. Ideally, we support each other. So if there is a more experienced coach in the club, they can chat uh, with the, the early career coach. Like a reflection from myself is there was one time I took a, an inter-county team and we did a good start to the championship, but then we bombed out in, in the middle of it. And at the end of the season, I may have been a bit young, overconfident, thought exactly what I was doing was, was perfect. We had a good season the season before. But the player said to me at the end of the season, geez, says we could have trained a bit harder. And then I went, oh, God, I should have listened to these guys in the middle, at the start, right through the season. And from that moment on, I went, right, every so often I need to have a sit down with a group, a small group, individuals, and get some feedback from the players and be an open environment, so they have an opportunity to to say, no, Uh, the player may not always be correct, Uh, the coach may not always be correct, but somewhere in the middle is usually the the answer that that creates a nice environment for both, and listening is the key. So often we feel as coaches, we have to be the leaders and and we know the answers, and we know the session. The humility, that standard that was was in Arsenal Academy is good for creating that that listening. And and that helps uh, create a high challenge uh, and high support environment. So we're pushing them really hard in the sessions, overload them from a technical, physical point of view, but then a high support when we're listening to them at a different stage in the season, different stage in the week and providing both. Often if it's too... High challenge, too high support. It may not be the right recipe, but a combination of both is good. And and sometimes coaches uh, need to be guided towards that humility, that listening to players. Um, and senior people, be it the the coach of the team, or the coach developer in the club, or the chairman in the club, um, could be uh, guided, mentored on on leadership skills, so being a leader rather than the boss. Uh, again listening rather than telling doing rather than ordering and and helping to create that that good environment
1: okay another 20 things i want to touch oh, on I'm now there yeah. no no don't be sorry There's fantastic stuff there um so i want to come back to a couple of things but one thing you mentioned struck a chord with me you talked about um maybe you were a bit young but you felt that everything you were doing was right and you were had this nailed and you were driving things you taught in the absolute perfect way i suspect there's an awful lot of people who are at the opposite of that who are continually questioning themselves am i doing the right thing maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome in terms of for example maybe we're talking about parents who are coaching a, a, a youth team or something like that that they don't feel that they're qualified for the role so I wonder could you come at it from that side and and maybe frame it uh, how those people could potentially gain confidence in what they're doing or 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 maybe how, how to how to because oftentimes that that imposter syndrome is is, is not founded well but I think mm. that um if we may, maybe come at it from that way it might resonate with
0: some people Yeah yourself. good good point uh, and and that reminds me of my my first year in in professional sport I, I literally wasn't ready for it I may have been having those thoughts um I was, I taught this is crazy. It, it was, it was early years in Connacht Rugby. There was cutbacks. I was with the academy. Uh, an opportunity came with the first team. I was literally two years out of college. And, but I had a good mentor. So to help with what you mentioned, having that mentor and his style, and I've, I've, um, grabbed a hold of that style as well is literally push the people in the pool. Now it's, it's high challenge. But there's also high support. He's there at the side of the pool. He's there to pull me to the side if I needed to. So he knew I got to get coached. He pushed me in the pool. I did things. And every literally three, four weeks, we sat down. We were chatted. He was my is my critical friend. and But he did it in such a nice way and such a supportive way. And it wasn't, I know all this. Look, you should do this. He actually never gave me the answer. Just chatted through with it till I figured out what the next stage should be, and guide it. So that will be with people. Um, it's, it's super just to try. But then if you can find an experienced ex-player, another coach, someone that's done it for a bit longer than you, uh, build a relationship, have that genuine critical friend um, is the term that's used out there. But these mentors, these friends aren't really that critical. They're just someone to, to use as a sounding board and chat through the session, uh, the week, the month, the season um, at regular time points. And it's it accelerates development so quickly. You literally get past all those feelings that you mentioned really quickly, and then you're on to the next stage. And there's new concerns and, and new challenges and tasks that you have to do your first match away, your first tour, your first weekend away with a team, and you do the same process. And you, you do it. And you have your meeting maybe before with your mentor and after with your mentor, and your next trip is going to be even better. Um I, th- I think helps a lot. And and myself, I've tr- I've numerous mentors. I've three definite ones, uh, Liam Hennessy, John Tobin, and Stephen Abood, all from different types of, of backgrounds and, and sports and areas. But at work, um I had plenty in, in Arsenal Academy with Paudi Purry, people I worked with closely, and they maybe Slightly less experienced than me, but I still gained loads from people that may have been in the game a shorter period of time than me.
1: Yeah, because I I, I just think it's a a really interesting point. I love the phrase you say, "critical friend," in terms of having that person you can bounce stuff off and who will be honest with you. Um, And and I think that's massively useful. But I think it's something that we miss a trick with, particularly in. um, For example, my own background is in GA, and I think like. GA clubs have like there's you're an under 13 coach. There's an under 14 coach ahead of you who's just gone through what you've gone through. There's a under 15s or a 16s coach who's done it two years ago and missing out on that community of practice, even just within clubs. I think is a huge. Um, I think it's something that we've 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 it's a big miss from from that if that makes
0: sense. You're um, right, and and you mentioned a few good stages there because often we look up to intercounty, we look up to the senior team for the experts and know, oh, it's so different at the child. It's so different at the youth stage. It's so different at the adult stage. And often the experts for what you need at that stage in your career, if you are looking after the under-12s, is that person in the community who looked after the Komogi team under-12s for the previous five years. And they'd know much more than the intercounty county Komogi manager in this hypothetical situation um on how to manage young teenagers um and the little rules of Tom's i throw out there is in the child players be comfortable in the chaos you won't be able to control them for every minute of every session they will run around and ignore you but you got to be com- comfortable in that and if you can guide them towards the content that's appropriate for that stage and the session looks somewhat like a, a structured session, but it doesn't have to be super structured. And as long as there's laughter and as long as you ask them, what do you like? And most of the time when you ask them, it's what do you like? I like running around crazy and playing with my friends. Facilitate that and incorporate into that is Komogi in, in, in sporadic parts of it. And then the the youth athlete, the the younger, mid-teenager, they do need rules and repercussions in, in a in a positive way. Uh, they do need to know more structure. They need, do need to turn up with their water bottles and, and their kit and they keep the facility clean and they turn up on time and they're they're learning how to be more of a, a young adult. And then stepping into the young adult phase, you're listening more, they're contributing more. And there's different advice for each of those three different stages. So if you are to go to a, a mentor, a critical friend, it it knows, isn't necessarily the people who have gone to the, that the highest age group in the sport and the highest competition inter-county level in the sport, your best supports could be um, a coach that did it a few years ago, the same age group.
1: Yeah. And another point that you mentioned earlier on is in talking to the players and get feedback from the players. And, like, in your experience, so you would have dealt with, like, basically young, elite, near and a lot of who've gone on to be professional sports people. Um, would you guys have been looking for feedback from the players at young ages? Because I think people will be interested in hearing about that or would be maybe surprised that you're taking feedback from such a young age.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, and getting them to contribute, getting them to explore things through conversations and learn in that process. Um, and we'd have, but well, this is a different environment, but it's interesting and it could be cut to fit in the club comog uh, environment like we had every six weeks a player uh, review and you'd have the player uh, meeting the coach and the support team and every 12 weeks a player parent review and we'd meet the coach and the support team with the player and the parent and it would often be a conversation asking the player what they did well and what they could do better in and then coming up with the action plan okay now how can you work on your super strengths and how can you work on the areas you could be better in. And literally, the individual development fan that appeared after those reviews was created by the parent, player, coach, and sport team, um, right down to under nine. And again, I'm talking about a very different environment in, in Premier League academies, but the principles can be the same. And if that just happens once or twice a year, which I think is possible in the club environment, it's a very, very strong conversation. And it's one to one. And the parent is involved and you get ideas and the player understands why you're doing what you're doing. And there's a, an individual element to it. And all these things are the principles of training and help things flow. And you'll be surprised the ideas and the things you're told that you didn't really know was happening as a coach. So for the sake of a Saturday morning where you have 15-minute slots with your squad twice a year, worth more than one session, and if you don't do a session, that's Saturday morning. But you have these nice chats with the players. That's so valuable, um, I think.
1: No, hundred percent. And like when you look at research in other spheres other than sport, or or that, and the children's voice is so important in terms of of adding value to to any initiative that's going on. Again, it's something simple that we can potentially be bringing into our our own coaching practice, and and that idea of involving the the. The child or the youth as well as their parents I think is 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 a crucial point that you make as
0: well and um, a little example if you don't mind yeah, yeah um, if people google Arsenal academy letter to parents you'll you'll see a little video of an animation that we developed, mainly the psych social team uh, we literally got the under nines tens elevens together, and we asked the players to talk about their parents in general, not specific names, what they like their parents doing in and around training, what they don't like their parents doing in and around training. We wrote down what they said. We got actors in because we didn't want the players <laughs> to be talking about their parents. We made it an animation, so it wasn't person specific or anything like that. So different voices, animations, and they spoke about what they liked, how kind the parents were for feeding them, bringing them to training, helping them, encouraging them, shouting them on the sideline, And what they didn't like, being on the phone, giving out to them in the car on the way home, ignoring them in training, um, and shouting them when they make mistakes. So a very powerful three-minute video that's um, created by these young people. Players are so, so clever. Um, And made a, a good, positive impact on the parents. And when we showed it, In parents' inductions, you could see the mothers elbowing the fathers and (laughs) and the guilty parties, it seems to be, in the majority um, of the not-so-good behaviours that the young people of only 9, 10, 11 highlighted themselves without us structuring it, adding to it, creating it. So they're really clever. And the amazing things I saw on lockdown with the under 12s and 14s I mainly looked after during lockdown with the online that everybody did, but we had them doing mindfulness. We had them analysing movements in uh, games. Uh, they're so clever and there's so much to offer. So the the listening and, and the reviews with them is, is is vital.
1: Yeah. And I think while, while at the start you may not get a huge amount of, feedback but as they hear they're being listened to you get that voice coming more and more true. I think exactly and, yes yeah so uh, again a couple of things you talked you, you touched on so dealing with as a coach uh and also then uh, uh, sort of two prongs to this question so as a coach but also as a parent um the pressure on coaches or the, the maybe their con- con- misconception that it has to be winning versus participation or lifelong participation or retention how did you deal with that in an elite environment and how do you think that that could come across into maybe into more of a volunteer or more of a uh, community yeah
0: sure and we we know well in my days in national academy that not every player is going to be a professional footballer and we had to emphasize that point and to help prepare the player for whatever is ahead of them So we built that into our vision, and our vision was strong young gunners. Now, that means the player is strong enough to cope with getting a big contract in the Premier League, not getting one, not having a career in football, having injuries, uh, not being selected, being very, very, very successful very early, and coping with all of the above. So... um, that was shared with the parents. That was shared with the players. That was shared with the support people, and, and the coaches. And it was regularly discussed. And the awareness that not every player is going to make it as professional footballer, so a, a, education is so important. The developing the person is important, um, and the holistic part of of the journey is so important. And um, so there was equal importance paid to say psychosocial events. Uh, education, periods, and the physical and the technical tactical. Um, Now, education on long-term athletic development, I think, is important. And there's many different models out there, but they basically come back to the same principles of getting as many people as active as possible out there. And I think there's a mind shift slowly happening. Instead of the club environment in the community trying to make the senior inter-county star or winning that under 13 championships there has to be a great awareness of the activity levels the obesity levels the inactivity levels that are out there and there needs to be more diverse goals in the development of young people like achieving the world health organization minimum guidelines for physical activity reducing screen time better nutrition habits um, increased physical activity. Um, we're, we're, we're not achieving those. Only 11% around the world is achieving the minimum requirements by the World Health Organization for children. And one in three children could be obese by the age of 11 very soon. And these have to be hitting home as more important than creating an inter county star or winning an under 13 championship. And Komogi uh, teams, clubs, are so vital for solving those problems, for achieving those new goals of more activity, better nutrition, reduce reduce screen time, and that will have a massive effect on the community and having as many active as possible for as long as possible. And, yeah, it's enjoyable to win, and young people will naturally be competitive and naturally um, go to win that game and and we can encourage that but we manage afterwards we, we complement and celebrate success but we also celebrate achievements and we try to achieve new things like helping other people in the community be active which uh, Komogi and all Gaelic games are very good at. So I think there has to be a mind shift, I think it's shifting slowly, I think it's different to what it was in my day where there was good and not-so-good robust coaching. And <laughs> children and young adolescents are, are different, and we have to accept they're different. And there has to be a greater awareness of we've got a huge problem here. And every single one of those young people on both sides are important, and we need to keep them active. And We need to create an environment where they want to be there, and we need to keep them there as long as possible. Um, and that's all wrapped up in in all the more and more research that's becoming available in long-term athletic development and people realising that people blossom at different stages, understanding maturation. And Brian O'Driscoll didn't get picked for his under-15 team, but he was one of the best players um, that's ever been seen in Irish rugby. And Damien Comer didn't get picked for the minors in Galway, but he's one of the best players at the adult level now. And so given equal opportunity for all players to be as best as they can be and keeping them involved in different ways for as long as possible.
1: Yeah, and, and really good points. And as you say, it's, it's more important. You are actually giving a coach's role and the way you talk about there is actually giving kids a healthier lifestyle and potentially a longer life. Just purely by the giving them those habits and and as you said the nutrition the the good habits for keeping fit for keeping active and it's actually going to stand to them well into their hopefully long uh, long life. Um, I just have one one more question before we finish off uh, because it's been brilliant so far. Um, but as a coach often faced with different challenges around we've talked about the winning versus participation and stuff like that we've talked about the different emotional toll that 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 it can take on a coach and how it can be a lonely place sometimes i suppose uh, my last question is let's say i'm the coach of a under 13 or 14 camogie team and uh, i have a load of girls who are playing but they're playing loads of other sports as well okay so how does that fit in the overall scheme of things, or how should I be trying to, should I be trying to get get? I'm being a little bit devil's advocate here. Should I be trying to get girls to, to like my sport better, or, or how should we approach that?
0: Yeah, because I was talking to a relation just last week, and we were talking about the return to sport period, and the Gaelic Games put a huge effort into easing back in, leave them wanting more lots of advice, lots of key phrases. And he said to me, just, that was good. Yeah, that was easy to follow. And the daughter, but he said, the the Gaelic games teams did it really well. But every seven nights of the week or six, maybe he said she was involved in other sports and she had a little flare up of a uh, overuse injury. And it, uh, he was, no, how do you solve that? Just the same as what you said. And, it's as simple as communication, but it's not that simple. And um, I think it should be reasonable simple for a group of coaches in a common area that maybe they get together once every quarter, once every three months. Maybe they share experiences and benefit from a, a, a peer chat and, and maybe there are solutions and every environment and every team, every individual will be different. And maybe they come up with, okay, you have that player on that night, we have that player on that night, and the player doesn't do double that amount. Because there is issues with overuse injuries for the better players that are with many sports that are there often. So we've got the problem of young players doing too little and then the sports stars doing too much. And coaches need to get together. And once they do, they share ideas. Once they do, other, more ideas come from it. Um, But I'm making it sound simple, and it's not. And sometimes coaches can be um, hesitant, protective, uh, distant. And we've got to break down those barriers. And there's a lot of progressive coaches out there. I've spoken to plenty. Um, And maybe it's just one person from each of the sports teams get together. And, and that ties up with something that I wanted to share as well about the reviewing. And we had a, a simple term where I was that every Monday we go, what? Okay. What is the problem? Right. The player is training six days a week. So what? Well, the player can get over or use injuries. Now what? Okay. Now what is that we take away one of those days and okay. The player won't do soccer that day, that week. The player won't do Gaelic that week. And the player won't do um, swimming that week. And now you've done a review with a simple what, so what, now what, and there's a solution. And there can be more detailed reviews as well, internally, uh, for other challenges that the coach needs to solve, like using the word review, reintegrate to the group, get everybody together. Evaluate the objective. Okay, what were we trying to achieve? Visit true questions, V. Integrate the, the group. Invite people to speak. Then establish the agreements, E. And then W, what happens next? So those two simple little review um, uh, ways of doing things can help. But you've brought up a very important point. But I think it's up to coaches to be responsible. And it may be one person from each sport get together every quarter and agree on helping those players because yeah, there is some sports uh, stars at young age groups doing too much and it can yeah. lead to problems.
1: And I think it's a, it's a really good answer as well, there's because you you've spoken really common sense language and it's also lets us as coaches take the responsibility and not have a 12 or 13 or 14 year old having to be making those decisions. So I think it's really, really common sense stuff when we, when we talk it out and it. But I also think it's a message that we need to we need to be getting out there a bit more. Um, I'm very conscious of time. Uh, you've been brilliant so far. Um, I'm going to come full circle and come back to the very start. Your final message to coaches when we're talking about coach welfare and avoiding coach burnout, et cetera, if, if they could have one takeaway, if you want people listening to have one takeaway, what would that be, Des?
0: Yeah, it's, it's finding that coach and friend. And humility comes first. And I know it it could be a little bit easier for me to talk about my mistakes because I might have been lucky enough to work with some big sports organisations. And I fully appreciate it's harder for people that are just starting out in the coaching journey. But I just say take that deep breath in and, and lead with humility and talk about I'm finding that challenging and look for answers and you then if you do that you'll encourage others to do that and then once you have that conversation there'll be some great solutions and that problem that challenge will be in the past then. and you progress as a coach so yeah um, asking people for help stepping forward with humility uh, will lead to very good things
1: yeah, and I like it. I think it's a, it's a brilliant way to finish and uh, you, can, you can sense the humility coming through, the, uh, coming through the, the computer screen as well, Des. Can't thank you enough for giving up your time. Um, it's been brilliant. There's so many, we could speak for hours here, so many different points you could touch on, but I think there's loads for people to take out of it. So thank you very much.
0: This podcast series has been brought to you by Tesco in partnership with the Camogie Association. Tesco, every little helps.